0: Hello and welcome to Ono oh Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves.
1: Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm, I'm Carrie R- Poppy. Oh,
0: I was just so eager there.
1: Oh, I was like
0: right out of the gate. <laughs> Who are, Who are you, anyway? I'm Ross Blodger.
1: And I'm Carrie Poppy.
0: <laughs> and together we are... Oh, no, Ross and Carrie, the podcast.
1: The podcast. That
0: we just welcomed you to. So we are back for the Ozarks UFO Conference Part four. We are so excited because next...
1: Next was something you were really excited about. Yeah, this
0: was one of the talks I was most excited about because we were going to see Stanton Friedman.
1: And he's only been heckled 11 times. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What a thing to share. Both the announcer and then Stanton again repeated this story about how he's only been heckled 11 times and two of them were drunk. (laughs)
1: And then later, Stanton references like critical questions a number of times. He's like, I liked this one group I spoke to. They didn't even ask any critical questions. And so then I started thinking, are hecklers to you just people who ask like anything other than glowing questions? Right. Yeah.
0: I feel that may be it. And I begin to wonder if later I was considered another one of his hecklers. Yeah, I
1: think you might be heckler 12. Cool. Anyway. Yes. (laughs) Yes. His talk was called Flying Saucers and Science. Sounds right up our alley, right? I'm
0: all for it. and uh, I think
1: this talk will be perfectly scientific. I think it's going to really show how the science and UFOs line up or don't. and And it's going to be honest and straightforward. Well, and the
0: reason I was so excited is because Stanton Friedman has been a mainstay of this community for just decades. And he has a background in nuclear physics. And so they always refer to him as a nuclear physicist. You know, he's like their branch of credibility. Like, yeah. Yeah, this guy. He knows science. He's on our side. He believes in aliens.
1: The Dr. Oz of Altmed.
0: Right, there you go. And so he's really like the reason that we've all heard about Roswell in connection with UFOs. Roswell. And helped launch the original Betty and Barney Hill case and publicize that. So yeah, he's been around for many years and very involved in this. And boy, the guy just exudes confidence. He just knows he's right. Oh, those people have tried to argue with me like fat chance Mm kind of thing. Yes. I was so let down by this talk. (laughs) <laughs> Let me just say, with all of that, yay, Stan Friedman. I'd already taken a picture with him. He gets up and it just becomes one humble brag after another. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about his time, you know, working in nuclear physics and just making all these really bold statements about how he knows he's right on these things, but without giving any actual proof of it.
1: Well, this is the first time he's ever spoken at this conference.
0: That's true.
1: This is the year to do it, right Ross?
0: Well, yeah, because of the synchronicity.
1: Because of the synchronicity. It's the 30th anniversary of the conference. It's the 20th anniversary of the Phoenix Lights case, whatever that is. It's the 70th anniversary of the flying Phoenix saucer. Lights!
0: That's like one of the few mass-witnessed UFO phenomena.
1: Oh. It was
0: in the '90s, mid '90s, and oh. like, yeah, people in Phoenix they saw all of these lights in the sky in this long row, and so they read those individual lights that were kind of in an arc as being along the edge of this gigantic craft.
1: Ah, what was it?
0: And many people saw it. So the best explanation, again, from what I've heard, is that they were flares that had been dropped by a plane. And so they fell in this kind of natural arc and then Uh, blinkered out when you'd expect uh, them to. But everybody saw this and kind of read it dimensionally as this giant craft. And so you have many eyewitness reports from that. Oh,
1: Neat. It was the 70th anniversary of when we started saying Flying Saucer Mm -hmm. and the 75th anniversary of the Battle of LA. (laughs) What a time to come, Stanton.
0: Yeah. Though he also seemed like almost a little myth that they hadn't invited him before.
1: He hadn't been invited before?
0: I don't think I so. I thought
1: he hadn't even turned him down or something. Why? So I liked this, though. He said he prefers the term flying saucer to UFO. And I actually kind of dig that because I think people get, including me, get so, like, confused over, like, okay, well, is it a UFO if you've identified it? Like, right. la, la. well, yes, it's technically a UFO because you haven't identified it. <laughs> and it just gets, like, really Right, both sides something. play that
0: game. Right. Many will, I think, rightly point out, oh, okay, as soon as you say you know that it's a craft from right. the Pleiades or from Rigel six, then, you know, You've right. identified it now,
1: exactly. So, so he prefers s- flying saucer, and I was like, "Yeah, that does just make that much easier to talk about."
0: That's fair, except that many of these sightings are of triangular shapes, sh- cigar shapes. There, yeah. Like, yeah. R- 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So,
1: ET crafts.
0: Uh, there's so. Much. I'm going
1: to call them ETCs, ET crafts, extraterrestrial crafts. Okay. All right, cool, ETCs, and so on. No, just ETCs,
0: etc., etc.
1: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's taken already.
1: <laughs> Shoot. ET.
0: They've been referred to as UFOs, flying saucers, ETC.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. I'm going to call them E-t- sh- ETS. Ships. Yeah, ships. Okay. Extraterrestrial. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Transports, ETTs.
1: Okay, fine, ETTs. All right,
0: uh, at least that doesn't suggest a particular shape.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you're happy.
0: So yeah, he assures us that the evidence is overwhelming that intelligently designed crafts are coming to our planet.
1: And this is the biggest story of this millennium. He's not going to get into the last millennium where, okay, maybe there was that whole Jesus thing. He's not going to talk about it, okay? Mm-hmm. But this millennium, okay? Great. Hey,
0: I'll give them that. If they're here, that is yeah, a huge story. He went over a lot of data that we've heard before. So he was saying, ah, the debunkers are ignoring Project Blue Book. 1955, Donald Quarles said that 3% of cases were unexplained. That was a lie. It was actually 21.5%. And we had all heard this in his co-author's presentation Mm -hmm. earlier. So we're like, okay, old news. But, you know, that's not his fault.
1: Oh, this is one of my favorite things that he just kept pushing. He has won all the debates where the reactions are measured.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was so proud of himself. Like, oh, I debated <sighs> Seth Shostak, who he's, I'm a big fan of. Right,
1: so he's the head of the SETI Institute. He's the
0: yeah, chief astronomer. And I, by the way, highly recommend their podcast, Big Picture Science. One of my favorite science podcasts. Great. Great show.
1: So SETI stands for the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. So they're like actual scientists looking for extraterrestrial intelligence.
0: Right. And Friedman called them silly. The silly, yeah, silly
1: sure. effort to investigate.
0: Well done, Stanton.
1: Oh, yeah. You would also call the SETI Institute the SETI cult. Wow. But- the debates where he supposedly won all of them mm-hmm. and they measured the results were on like coast to coast radio yeah. outlets where everyone already agrees with him going into it.
0: Oh, I beat Seth Shostak 55 to 37 or something like, like that. Whoa,
1: good job, Seth Shostak. Yeah, like, well, get... good
0: showing on coast to coast. Yeah,
1: no kidding. And
0: and I'll give Standard Friedman credit. He said, actually, I got to say Seth Shostak's a really likable guy. Uh-huh. But then later on he was bragging, oh, I debated Michael Shermer and I got 80% of the vote and he uh-huh. got. 20 on coast to coast. Yeah. Do you not realize this is a biased audience? Right. Anyway.
1: Yeah. At some point I wrote, Stanton is now just telling us his life story. Not sure how we got here has nothing to do with what's on the screen.
0: He kept referring to his detractors as nasty, no good negatives, something like that. <laughs> He liked his alliteration. Can't blame him.
1: The polls keep showing that more people believe in flying saucers than don't, Ross.
0: Yeah, well, yes, that's right. Public opinion was very important to him there. He was really bitter that he had worked on this nuclear-powered jet project and that they canceled it. So there was a lot of discussions about that. Like, oh, well, it works great so let's fire thousands of people. He was clearly still very bitter that he had been let go from mm. his job many decades ago. He started telling us the story of like how he started speaking to the UFO community to support his family. It was just so weird. He was almost excusing himself for having gotten into the speaking circuit because Mm, that was his new living after having lost his job working as a nuclear physicist.
1: Now, around this time, I sent you a text and said, oh, I feel like I'm supposed to be lulled into a sense of academic security. Yes. Like I'm not actually supposed to be understanding this so much as I'm supposed to just be like, oh, you're smart and you believe in UFOs. Okay.
0: It reminds me of someone like William Lane Craig who strolls in and the whole idea is that he creates this aura of confidence and I am just so self-confident in my own opinion and everybody else can kind of look to him and say, yeah, well, that guy's smart and he believes it. Uh-huh. So I believe it too. Right. You have any questions? Refer it to the, that guy. Right, right. He's very confident. Right. He recommended Jay Allen Hynek's The UFO Experience. He said that was a must read and said that the bunkers don't look at that. So that's now on my reading list.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, it there, there just becomes this sort of like hodgepodge of points.
0: Yeah, he jumped around, and he was covering a lot of stuff we'd heard before already.
1: Barney and Betty Hill went to an expert on PTSD and amnesia and he hypnotized each of them separately and regressed them and their stories matched up. Whoa! Cool! Okay.
0: It also felt a little bit like someone who has a hammer and sees everything as a nail yeah. where, where he kept saying that they're using nuclear technology to power their planes because he had worked on nuclear planes. Oh but right. he, he felt the aliens were doing this as well and I was like, oh well, maybe they have some other technology that we just mm-hmm. don't even know about yet.
1: Yeah, there was like this weird part where he just kept arguing for nuclear energy And I was just like, oh, okay. I don't know why we're talking about this right now. But isn't this also when we learned about Betty Hill's drawing?
0: Well, I certainly remember that you saw her dog, Delcy, and you got so excited. And Carrie said, I love her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it turns out that Betty and Barney Hill, when they were abducted by aliens... Had their dog, Delcy, with them. And Delcy is a cutie, cutie pie. And you should go look up her picture, everybody. She is a cutie, cutie and pie. And
0: I said to Carrie, like, oh, no, I don't think the dog was actually there participating. And Carrie and looked like, it up, oh, sure Oh, I enough, will look
1: it up now. I will not listen to this speaker. She did. Look up whether a dog was present She was historical right. The event. dog was there. Dog was there.
0: Wish they'd asked the dog what she saw.
1: I <laughs> You hear about Barney and Betty Hill, but the real tragedy is the dog erasure of that story.
0: It's a cover up,
1: Delcy erasure. But here's my favorite thing oh, I learned from yes. this story. Yeah,
0: he went more into the Betty and Barney Hill incident than we had heard before. Yes. And yeah, what do we see, Carrie?
1: Okay, so. You're apparently excited about this. This is fiercely amazing. After Betty Hill did her memory regression, she remembered that she had seen something wrong. Mm-hmm. She had seen a map. A map of where the aliens traded across the universe. Yeah,
0: they had revealed this to her and they'd shown it to her. Yep. So she came back and she drew it out for us like Moses wrote the Ten Commandments.
1: It showed a trading route across the stars. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? I. No. Well, it happened. Okay. <laughs> and so she drew it, and you can look this up, guys. Now, don't look up other people's renderings of it. Look up her the original, original drawing. drawing. It is a dick. dick. <laughs> She one hundred percent sketched out a dick.
0: It's a line of stars, like we started the Big Dipper, and then uh, you know what, the Big Dicker.
1: <laughs> and we know that, like Betty Hill was kind of a scallywag, so I really think she was just having a laugh. It drew t- this dick.
0: I'm totally behind that theory. Yeah. Yep.
1: And now. Ross and I are like giggling and not looking at each other uh-huh. because we're both aware we know like, we know this is a fucking dick yeah <laughs> and everyone else is just looking at it like oh wow that's really interesting and then zeta
0: reticula you say oh wow that's where yeah. stars okay are so then
1: they trade from this one to this one wow oh interesting and then he tells us these other astronomers are now spending their careers mapping out
0: oh yeah I felt these
1: trading routes along the stars and he shows us these maps and drawings that like one of his colleagues has I felt so created. bad. Yeah, there was
0: this woman who had gone to all of this effort to painstakingly create a three dimensional map. Of the dick! She looked at what we knew about the distance of stars and then used these hanging threads to show the different relative locations of the stars in that area so then she could <laughs> rotate around and observe <laughs> where she saw this pattern and this is where I felt so bad for her. It yeah. reminds me of when we were talking about Aleister Crowley, like he just threw this yes. stuff out and now people have to labor to try to yeah, make sense what we're of it. Yeah, we talking
1: about in the car. Yeah,
0: now you had her making effort, like, you know, Betty tells her silly story. Now this person is putting years into reconstructing it. And sure enough, she rotated and she found just the right angle. And there was even a story like when Betty was talking to the aliens and said, oh, can you tell me where this is? And they said, well... How could we explain that to you? I mean, can you explain where you are? Whoa. Whoa. So, sure enough, she found a match for this. Like, oh, here we go. These are the stars that we're talking about.
1: Yeah. So, this brilliant woman developed this amazing work, the Zeta Reticuli Incident, off of this drawing.
0: So, that was a, a book that was created about it. And I a, guess
1: a lot of work based off a dick drawing.
0: Oh, I'm looking at it here. That is such a dick drawing. Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> you guys are probably thinking right now, like, oh, it'll look vaguely like a dick. You're going to pull it off of be like, oh shit, no, that's just a drawing of a dick.
0: <laughs> and on the Zeta Reticuli Incident book, they even mention with related commentary by, and then they mention some other people, and one of them is Carl Sagan. And apparently, I think, Stanton Friedman was saying that Carl Sagan had sued because uh, he was upset that they had used his name uh, for this book that he wanted nothing to do with.
1: Interesting. I guess Carl Sagan had also been his classmate for a few years.
0: Oh, That's all
1: I, that's funny, I must have been writing something else because I just processed that they were classmates you process the actual important part of that (laughs) story
0: yeah then he went on he defended the majestic 12 documents that we referred to earlier so anonymously these documents had been sent on film to him and some other UFO researchers and so it showed all this supposedly classified government information and it was signed by different people and there was an interesting story about Philip Class. boo hiss uh Everybody in the audience hates Philip Class Having bet Stanton Friedman that he couldn't find a single intelligence report that was written in a certain font or in a certain type of paper. Anyway, so he had sent this challenge. He said, for every paper you find, I will pay you, I think it was $100 $100, up to $1,000. And so Stanton Friedman, to his credit, he found other Mm -hmm. documents that were internal to the military.
1: And to Philip Class's credit, he He paid paid up. Yeah.
0: Uh, Then Stanton Friedman published a picture of... The check in his book, in his book, and I guess that pissed off class.
1: Class, and then I noticed the picture has class's address on it. So that might have been what pissed him off.
0: Oh, maybe he at least uh, crossed out the. You're right, the he,
1: routing number, but not the address.
0: Yeah, good point. Almost everybody, even in the ufology community, now agrees that the majestic twelve documents as a whole are faked. Right, and that if they really had been leaked documents, that the government would have tried to stamp them out. But instead, they're just like, yeah, sure, share your silly documents.
1: So on to like more just random facts, Stanton Friedman has in his head. Yes. And he starts talking about Roswell, which I think you mentioned he was kind of a major person.
0: Oh, yeah. Person. He, he was a major force behind making that a, a public media thing. Event. Yeah. Right. And, and he seemed to consider like the fact that 240,000 people visited every year, whatever the number is, as being like an argument for its
1: validity. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I know. I wrote not. down Roswell is a popular tourist attraction and Stanton Friedman wants you to know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he also, he would bring up what the official story is to knock it down. And sometimes I wouldn't even know what the official story was, but he'd do such a piss poor job knocking it down that I'd just be like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> right. You just um, you just convinced me of the official story.
1: Right. For example, I don't know very much about the Roswell story. I just sort of know, like, oh, something about aliens, I'm testing on aliens. But yeah, he said, oh, some people say, like, there were crash test dummies found in Roswell. Oh, right. But, like, that's crazy because They would fall apart on impact when they hit the ground if they were supposed to be crash test dummies released from airplanes. And And you're like, like, that's a Those are terrible crash test dummies. (laughs) That's the whole point. They're supposed to react like human bodies. Right. I'm convinced of the official story (laughs) you just told me.
0: He even showed that famous photo of uh, Jesse Marcel holding material from the craft and pointed to that and said like, and see, that's the photo they made him take with something different afterwards. That's not the actual craft. Because it's clearly just some kind of foil. Foil, and you mm. look at that photo and you're like, Pfft, that's not alien material. It's just this flimsy foil. So he made a point of saying, oh, no, they fake this.
1: Oh, right. They
0: set this up afterward. I've definitely followed Roswell for many years. And again, that's why I was kind of excited to see Stanton Friedman, just because he played such a critical role in that. Uh, Stanton Friedman also mentioned his four rules for debunkers. And he kind of sped past that, but I did look it up. So it's just this snarky thing. One, don't bother me with facts. My mind is made up. Two, what the public doesn't know, I won't tell them. Whoa. Number three, if you can't attack the data, attack the people. It's easier.
1: Whoa, ad hominem.
0: Number four, state your position by proclamation. It's easier to say there's no evidence because you don't need to do anything to back that up.
1: No, you're taking your own advice there. (laughs) You're right.
0: And that's that. So what have we learned? Not much.
1: You hate Philip Class. He did have this cute little saying I believe you should have facts in hand before putting mouth in gear.
0: That sounds great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, do that.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh yeah, he also had this fun little factlet that Roswell didn't happen in Roswell, it happened in Corona. Oh yes, (laughs) and that the
0: people of this very small community, Corona, were very proud that he had a book with Corona in the title. He also dismissed the common kind of skeptical refrain, which is that people can't keep these kind of massive secrets. Someone comes out as a whistleblower, so he said, oh they can't keep secrets, except when they do.
1: All right, what a great tautology.
0: So we ended with him, and I think this was the first time that he actually finished early. And
1: ah, yes.
0: Early on when Julia Cannon had introduced the conference, she had told us all like, hey, everybody, there's going to be plenty of time to answer questions. After every talk, there's going to be a Q&A period, and then we're going to have a speakers panel. So if you have a question and it doesn't get asked...
1: That's on you.
0: Which he said that we both looked at each other like, well, Jesus that's lady. really harsh for... <laughs> 500 people in this convention hall, if you didn't get your question answered, that's on you. My
1: goodness. And
0: so, Stanton finishes, and we've actually got time for Q&A. But
1: first, we must have a standing ovation for this boring-ass talk. (laughs) So we did that, banjos. But
0: but yeah, like, everybody was stunned into silence. Uh, uh, I don't know what to ask. I'm not used to being able to ask questions. So no one was offering questions. Also,
1: this was the inspiring ending to his talk to really get your juices going for those questions. His last words were, well, this is my book. Okay, thank you for listening.
0: He'd sold out of his book. Which he kept telling us. He told us that like maybe five that's times. Right. And
1: None of these speakers except for Owl Guy, I think, had like a strong, snappy ending. Everyone was like, okay, well, I think that's about my time. Right. Um, over here we it have- trailed off. Yeah, this is a slide about my book, and I don't think I have time for questions, but looks like it's about time to- Okay, thank you very much.
0: Right, when you don't know where to clap. Right. But yeah, people still did give him a standing ovation. But yeah, you can order books from his website.
1: So someone asked him, first of all, if he is working with Elon Musk. And he said, no. Cool. Great question, great answer. Good story. Yeah, I think there were only like two or three questions, and then they were like, okay, uh, if you have any more, you can ask them at the speaker's panel.
0: Right, because this was the last major talk of the day. Now it was time for the speaker's dinner from 7 to 9. Yep. What, 40 bucks?
1: 40 bucks. Worth every penny. Yeah, so we did spend those $40.
0: We thought our listeners want to know what goes on at the speaker's dinner. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, we bought the speaker's dinner tickets before our actual tickets because for some reason they opened up on the website first.
0: Oh, that's right. That was weird. Mm-hmm. But before we hear about that speaker's dinner, yummy, yummy. I want something else to edify my mind. After I'm done listening to this episode, what else can I listen to?
1: Oh boy, maybe something interesting but also inspiring.
0: Yeah, I mean, can you recommend anything that's maybe about comedy or culture?
1: Oh, I have the perfect thing for you.
0: Okay, what do you got?
1: that oh
0: man that's great that's from the maximum fun network isn't it mm-hmm.
1: fantastic. Comedy culture,
0: fantastic
1: i thought you'd like that
0: we came back at seven o'clock we had walked around the neighborhood to laugh about owls
1: oh yeah that's right
0: so we were back for the speaker's dinner there was a long line everybody waiting to get in
1: but it was a quick line and we sat down i got to pick the table because you weren't there
0: yeah i went to the bathroom and came back and the line was gone
1: yeah. So, so I wandered in fast. there.
0: Yeah, there were these big round tables that each sat, I think, 10 people. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that all of you would have one of the speakers at your table. Hopefully. Right.
1: But that's not going to work out because so, there, there are more tables than speakers.
0: Right. And so you were sitting at a table with another couple uh-huh. that we had seen around the conference, but we hadn't talked to yet.
1: Oh, I hadn't seen them, I don't think. The but. woman
0: of the couple, she had her hair dyed bright red
1: uh-huh. or like magenta. Fuchsia, yeah. yeah.
0: And just a very striking, attractive woman. Mm-hmm. So, like, she had popped out the first day. She had a green dress and this fuchsia hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then her husband was with her. So, you were sitting next to them.
1: Yeah. I saw them sitting alone, and I thought, well, they look perfectly nice. I'm going to go sit with them.
0: Uh, owl guy walks in and we're like, Oh, he could come sit at our table. I think we smiled just a little too. <laughs> we
1: were like, excitedly. I like actually <laughs> waves." And yeah, he was like, uh, Hey. Yeah. And, uh... He didn't
0: even do the acknowledgement. Like he kind of looked at us like, no, he, slowly.
1: He gave me like a, panicked uh, look. okay. No, that, that <laughs> smile where you just, uh, you take your lower lip and you tuck it in a little extra tight. Okay. hmm. Like it barely acknowledges the person you're looking at.
0: I, I felt like his reaction was this kind of build up to like,
1: Oh, should I wave at them? You know
0: what? I'm not even going to acknowledge yeah. more than what I've just already done. Shoot. I yeah. made eye contact. And then he moved off. We're like, mission he, accomplished.
1: He, he actively was like, I don't want to sit at that table. The <laughs> yes. only thing I know is not those people.
0: Yeah. This would have been a perfect moment for him <laughs> to be like, oh, I got my table. But I think yeah. he saw us and he was like,
1: he was like oh, definitely not them. I don't what are to- my other options? <laughs> But I wanted him to sit with us.
0: Yeah, I know. It was sad.
1: We had two goals at that point. I wanted him to be my friend, Mm -hmm. but I also wanted to creep him out.
0: Those are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Rats. Maybe
1: I just want him to be my friend.
0: So then we had another couple join us, older couple. Mm -hmm. And the guy, Jerry. Oh, man, Jerry was so surly. (laughs) He just sits down and he's got... (gasps) Big <laughs> moo on his face.
1: Oh, my God. So he immediately.
0: In a very red face. He's got kind of wisps of long white hair. And he's just red and upset.
1: So he says, yeah, well, my name's Jerry. I know you can't see it on my tag because I'm the only one in this goddamn place who didn't get a pre-printed tag. And so. Man,
0: that's pretty rough, buddy.
1: Yeah. So, like, he had to write his name on his tag. So we're like. He oh, had to write his
0: own name.
1: We're like, ah, oh, you're special. Ha, ha, ha. And then he's like, yeah, well, you know, this dinner should be free, but...
0: Oh, and he was complaining right off the bat. I looked through the food they have. There are no tacos.
1: And no egg rolls. What kind of a buffet doesn't have egg rolls or (laughs) tacos?
0: I didn't know that was a requirement. <laughs>
1: it's so specific. He was just
0: so mad.
1: So and mad. Then like, we're like, oh, so which which talks did y'all like? And he's like, well, I always really like Linda Moulton Howe, but that owl thing was just BS. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm, it's nice that someone's making money off that bullshit. Now That's I all the stupid. more
0: wish that... <laughs> Owl guy Mike Clellan had come to join us at the table because Jerry does not mince words yeah, with anybody. Uh-huh. I think he would have just told Owl guy like that didn't make any sense. That was
1: that, was, that made no sense. <laughs> Four foot owl, come on now.
0: Which I would have loved because the earth
1: is hollow, but the owls don't get that big. Oh, but that's right. Jerry he believed in the believe hollow in earth. earth.
0: Yeah. Oh, you have to tread so carefully because you'll kind of agree with somebody. Oh yeah, that's actually a little silly. And then they'll turn around the next. Sentence and tell you about how they actually believe in Hollow Earth.
1: Yeah. And he did believe in Hollow Earth.
0: And then the gentleman to the left of us, I think, believed in chemtrails. Oh, yep that they were a real conspiracy. Yep. Just got to be kind of careful where you lead off. But his wife really loved all of our owl jokes. She thought those yeah. were fantastic.
1: They were both a little into it, but she was really into it. They yeah. both were great.
0: Oh, yeah, really fun. And and, and then,
1: Jerry's wife.
0: Yeah, she was great, too. Kathy. And clearly such a perfect match for Jerry, like just a very patient woman. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, she was telling us stories about their marriage. He had been a police officer for many years. He had arrest powers. And... <laughs> <laughs> they now travel together all over the place and do things like this. And it was really cool. It seems like he makes a real effort to go out and do the things she wants to. So, right. so that's good. But he's miserable everywhere he goes.
1: I know. I like wouldn't have been able to stomach him.
0: He would drive me crazy. Yeah. Like, cheer up, Eeyore. Yeah. He wandered off at one point and I said something to her like, I'm I'm getting a vibe from from Jerry that he doesn't he doesn't do things that he doesn't want to do. Yeah, she's like you read him perfectly. Was <laughs> my little cold reading moment, right, right, yeah. master of the obvious. Right, right.
1: I mean, you did say it jokingly. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> she uh, played off of it very well.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, he also kept saying which states he hates. Right. He, he hates California. Starting with hates-
0: California. He wanted us to fall off into the ocean and drown.
1: Yeah, he like actually told us when we said we were from California, he was like, oh, one of the states I hate. You guys can fall into the ocean and die. And
0: there wasn't like a caveat, oh, but I hope it happens while you're out here visiting or right. I, ho- I hope you miss the apocalypse. Nope. Yeah. And so I said to him, oh, I'll have to work on my dog paddling.
1: Right. (laughs) And then I finally said, Jerry, what's your favorite state? And he thought about it. And then he was like, Florida. But home is always home
0: he got really upset with the other gentleman next to us who had misheard Jerry at one point and had thought that he said something about liking New Jersey. He's like, no, New Jersey is the worst.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Jesus.
0: So they dismissed tables to go get their food, and we were such a small table, they were never going to dismiss us. And so you, I think, ran off first. Like- no,
1: Jerry did.
0: Was it Jerry? Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. It was Jerry by like five minutes. And then finally, we were all like, "So well, maybe you, you weren't, but the rest of us were like watching Jerry eat for a while. And then finally, <laughs> I was like, are we allowed to go? And Kathy, his wife, was like, oh, Jerry just goes for it when he's ready. So I was like, let's all just, Jerry started a trend. Let's all yeah, things, so, so gotta,
0: yeah, we waited around for a couple minutes. And we're like, oh, let's just follow Carrie. So we all got our food and piled up high, lots of food.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, and but we Jerry had been was mad. kind of worried about the sitch because they were like, the entrees are three types of meat. Right. Um, but We've but got
0: ham for you. We've got beef. We've got oh, great. Right.
1: Like, but oh. there was plenty well, of food was, for yeah. us.
0: Yeah, that was the other thing that there had been some snafu and there was no dessert. <laughs> oh, Jerry was pissed. Can you believe? They didn't order dessert. There
1: is no dessert. So then Julia Cannon and her sister Nancy (laughs) Cannon, who it turns out is just as good a public speaker as Julia. Yeah, they
0: brought up their awkward variety show.
1: Oh, they come out and they get our attention. Ding, ding, ding. Ring of glass. Okay, well, do you want to say something? No, you say something. No, well, you say something. No, why? You're the same. Ladies, come on. Figure that out before you get up there. Why? Why is this happening? And then finally, one of them announces, We're so sorry. There's no dessert. Don't worry. We're out to buy a dessert. This should take 30 seconds at most. This announcement. It's like
0: a four minute interruption. Yeah.
1: Amazing.
0: Though, actually, it helped me out because by that point, we had been talking with our cohorts and building up a friendship with them for a while. But. We were also thinking. Well, this is a speakers' dinner. The whole idea is that we're supposed to interact with the speakers, right? So I had my eye on a seat next to Grant Cameron, the guy who had given the talk about all the people who have composed songs and other things with the we can only assume influence of aliens. And he had told us that he was an expert on presidential UFO knowledge and had said, "Right, ask, ask me. me about Trump." Yeah. So I was like, "I want to ask him about Trump." So I saw that empty chair. I went over there,
1: and then a seat opened up next to you, next to Grant.
0: So you came and joined in. Yeah. and
1: Which was also a very easy place to take notes with no one seeming to notice.
0: Very good. And Grant had already been answering somebody else's question. And this guy, it was a nonstop stream of speaking, and he just didn't stop, and he kept going, and there was no break in it whatsoever, and then he'd launch into to another story, and you'd realize there's no way to get a word in edgewise, and you can't even confirm or, or nod along or say anything or ask a clarifying question because it's just going to go, and it's going to be nonstop for about 10 minutes.
1: And you know what? You've been saying a couple times that speakers would say something and you'd look around like, okay, now we realize this is crazy, right? And I never had that feeling during talks, but I'm realizing now – I did have that thought when he was saying that to that table full of people at dinner. Okay. Because I remember when I came up and I saw everyone just sort of staring at him as he talked just completely silently (laughs) and no one able to break away. I remember thinking like, is there anyone here who's just like, oh shit, I got caught in this web? (laughs) In
0: his tractor beam? Yeah. I am convinced this would have gone on for three hours unless there was a distraction. So that was the only way to stop him was deus ex machina, like someone giving One of those awkward announcements. And so then. Oh, yeah.
1: It's like shaking a can of pennies at a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so he forgot his train of thought. And so he looks around stunned for half a second. And I see him like kind of inhaling to get started again. I was like, this is my chance. (laughs) So then I said, oh, you told us we could ask you about Trump. I wanted to hear about the influence. What does he know? What does he plan to do about disclosure?
1: And he completely forgets about whatever he was saying yeah. before.
0: and boom, he's off on a new soliloquy.
1: And like everyone else disappears. It's like La La Land. The rest of the room gets dark for him and all he sees is Ross. Yes. A white light encompasses you and he's like, now I should tell you about Trump and that's all I've ever been doing. I've only ever been telling Ross about Trump and now I will tell you he only about acknowledged Trump. He never acknowledge my
0: existence. When I first came to the table, <laughs> yeah. he was directing his response to whoever had asked him a question before. So, yeah, now I've got the laser focus on me. And so, oh, the tale he wove of, wow, okay, I don't even know where to start. It, it, it uh, didn't stop either. Uh, until, well, I
1: was taking notes okay, because uh, I, re- I at least didn't have to be making eye contact with well, him. Well,
0: tell me what I'm missing, but or one of okay. the salient points is that, of course, Trump... Became president and so they gave him the the run through of what's available and so they've told him, they've made him aware of all these portals around the world and they're mm-hmm. going to show him a portal soon. This is coming very soon.
1: Yes, very soon.
0: They also give him Maybe
1: a- go through it.
0: Yeah, that was the impression that like he would have the option to go through this portal. Right. And based on the earlier talks, maybe that is to the outside of our simulation that is still within a simulation. Yeah. Or maybe it's to some other place in the galaxy. Ah, who knows? Maybe it's to another part I don't know. And then another thing I learned is that Trump has been given a goodie bag with advanced technologies. And so he has these available to play around with and it's just to get him on their side
1: mm. that they
0: show him look at these technologies we have. Who the from, aliens from side? the aliens well we have them but from oh, the aliens but
1: they're from the aliens. Okay, I missed that part. Okay, and they're making a movie <gasps> about yes. the portals. Yes. Now, here's what's strange. About
0: this whole conspiracy. So they're going to reveal all of this information.
1: Yeah, they're going to disclose all of it. Through so I film. guess Trump is into disclosure. Cool. Right, but apparently
0: this film has been in the works for years. So like right. Obama was pro-disclosure as well.
1: And this guy, Grant, who you've been talking to, wrote a book about the Clintons who are famously pro-disclosure. This guy just loves anyone, I guess. Right. And loves any politician. I don't and know. And John Podesta. Um, one of
0: their right hand men for for both Clintons is very, you know, pro alien, pro disclosure. So okay, yeah, buy that.
1: Okay. So they're they're gonna release this movie about portals. Now, here's what's weird. It's a documentary, but it has a screenwriter. He kept saying there's a screenwriter. You right. don't usually have a screenwriter for a documentary, so that's confusing. Right. But And he
0: keeps referring to this guy as Kevin.
1: Yes. Now, I found out Kevin's last name, but I don't want to say it yeah, because I've contacted him. You have. Yeah, but I haven't heard back, so let's not say it.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was impressed, though, A, with you for even asking the last name mm. because I thought he wouldn't even offer that if he'd just been throwing out Kevin. Right. And, you know, this is a super secret Hollywood deal. And B, him for answering.
1: I know, and then spelling it for me.
0: (laughs) And then this... Kevin turning out to be a pretty mediocre. Oh, yeah. Kevin presence. hasn't
1: worked in years. And when
0: he worked, it was writing like softcore porn films.
1: That's correct.
0: Yep. Um. And yet he's like writing this thing that is going to be pitched to Spielberg and JJ Abrams.
1: Yes. JJ Abrams is set to direct the Portal documentary.
0: Yeah. I wasn't 100% sure if it was Spielberg or JJ Abrams. I but think
1: Spielberg is um, executive set to produce. producer. Okay. Yeah. And JJ <laughs> is our director.
0: And And this is a a multi-screenwriter
1: for any major documentary.
0: And he kept also saying that both a billion dollars had been dedicated to this effort to Mm, disclose. Normal, but also the film budget was like two hundred thirty million. So I'm not sure what Mm. the rest of the money was for. But yeah, it was all with this confidence, and you just know. This film will Maybe. never happen.
1: <laughs> right. Well, yes, that's correct. <laughs>
0: this, this is not a thing. But I love it when they throw, and by they, I mean people like him and Stephen Greer, who will talk about uh, some future venture. But like, just throw it with such utter confidence, these name drops and these proclamations of things to come that you know will not happen.
1: Oh, yeah. And And there will be excuses every time that it doesn't happen. And
0: this drives me insane. I want to know, how does this happen? Where does the information come from the real world, from other people? How does it filter through his head? What is going on in his head? And Uh how does it escape out of his face?
1: Uh (laughs) You never know what will come out of his face. (laughs) Also, apparently, Kevin said to Grant, "You're in. You can come with us to right. make this whole thing." Which, hello, go Grant, go! And yeah. Grant said, "But I said no thanks because I, I want to be beholden the the to anybody. Right. I want to see all these chess pieces move. I don't want to be in the nose so that then, like, you know." I might be caught up in something,
0: and we were what we were mentioning other people kind of involved in the UFO community who also have that kind of uh, same confident knowledge that he does, but say different things than he does, Mm -hmm. like Stephen Greer, and one other came up. And he would be kind of dismissive of those people, like, oh, okay, yeah, well, they're being played, and, you know, they're being fed selective information, never suspecting that of himself with all of his sources. And also, he pointed to one in particular and said that, oh, well, that guy, he believes in this whole evil alien thing, and that's ridiculous. Definitely was very dismissive of that idea. That because
1: aliens can't be evil. Right, Is that, the that they don't
0: have ill intent and that that's a falsity, a fake line that's been fed to this guy.
1: That's so nutty. The one question I wanted to ask but never got to ask was like, there are good and bad people and we're just one species. How can all aliens be good?
0: Well, by the time you're that advanced, you're all good.
1: How can all aliens be so advanced? Oh, because they got here?
0: Well, because their technology is so far Uh ahead of ours, yeah. If your
1: technology is advanced, then you must be spiritually advanced.
0: Yeah, I think, yep, that's the underlying assumption.
1: Silliness.
0: Indeed. I'm so
1: make you take on their position so I can tell you that's silly. <laughs> so
0: yeah, I was caught in his tractor beam and it was nonstop and there's no room for, well, you know what? I I'd take that back. There were some follow-up questions. I got to continue the conversation a bit, but dude can talk. He can just oh, keep man. going. And so much. Then they came up with a dessert announcement and that was my chance like, oh, I'm going to run off to where I came from. Yeah. And I went and got some dessert.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I thought it was like, can I get you gentlemen some dessert? Mm.
0: But Unlocked you. Yeah. like Again, the shaking of the pennies. He didn't come after oh, me. Right. He didn't need to finish his wherever he stopped midstream. It was just, oh, oh, okay. Now I'm on to you know, anybody else who wants to ask right. a question. So, yeah, I got away. Clean break.
1: Yep. We tried to find our guy. Didn't.
0: I had two questions at that point. One for Deborah and one for David Marler. And David Marler was there talking to a couple. So uh, I went and kind of joined that conversation for a bit. And then I wanted to ask him just about the slow moving nature of that object.
1: So he's the guy who gave the Battle Battle of of Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, his response to that was essential. well, yeah, that's a good question. Don't know why it didn't Mm. take evasive maneuvers. Maybe it was damaged or something like that. But who knows? I'd be speculating. I don't like to speculate.
1: Yeah. Fair. Fair.
0: We took pictures together. It was awesome. We're best friends now.
1: Cool. And then we went back to our Airbnb and we listened to Julia Cannon's podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because we're podcasters and we like to hear what else is on the scene.
0: How can uh, this play out?
1: I would say it's... uh, Exactly what we expected? Yep. Similar to the live experience.
0: Uh, So, yeah, we settled down for bed and I got up because I thought... Well, A, I needed to call my wife and... My wife. My wife. And B... I wanted to go get abducted by aliens.
1: Right. So, okay. This is the night before- I like to multitask. This is the night before Easter.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And And all through the house.
1: We're both like, oh, we're so tired, but maybe we'll get up for Easter sunrise service. Maybe not. Probably not. Okay. And I'm like, I'm so beat.
0: I I, wanted to see this giant Jesus statue.
1: Yeah. Good night, Ross. Oh, I can't even think about getting up at eight hours right now. Good night. And I think Ross goes to bed (laughs) permanently also. But no, no. What does Ross do?
0: I pop back up, get on my, uh, my running shoes, and head out into the woods. And so I talked to my wife for a while, and I head back down to a place I went running, I think, earlier in the morning. There were all these geese there before, and oh, it's loud with nature. She can hear it Aww. over the phone. Yeah, it was really cool. So I was down by this lake that's kind of on the edge of these woods. Looked like something straight out of the X-Files, which is pretty cool. So we're on the right track. And I'm intent, To see or hear an owl. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to focus on that. I really want to hear an owl.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I want to see. An owl. (laughs) And so uh, eventually I, you know, finish the conversation with my wife. And so I continue on. I cross the bridge and then I'm walking over on the other side. I go, there's like an abandoned dock, or at least it's abandoned in the middle of the night. And that doesn't yield anything. I lay down on the cement for a while and look up at the sky. Then I walk off to the trees and I'm walking through them. And uh, I see lights here and there, but none of them really pan out. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they're all
1: identified.
0: Either identifiable or they weren't doing anything interesting Mm -hmm. looked all over for owls listened intently heard a lot of nature but not owls no ufos either it was such a letdown boy oh boy so i was out there for about another hour ring yeah i slept hoping to get abducted
1: that does sound beautiful though didn't happen it was a really pretty area
0: oh man yeah yeah. It was very, very dark out that night. But yeah, um, yep. no abduction that I'm aware of. Now, if we hypnotically regress me, maybe oh,
1: I Oh, was... that's very interesting. I did
0: keep checking my watch regularly as well because Let's I wanted. See want... if you lost time. Exactly. I wanted to be aware if that happened because mm-hmm. people always talk about that. So I was keeping a good eye on the time. And when I first left, it was at 1.23 in the morning.
1: So <gasps> it's
0: just, you know, in case it would help. Yeah. That...
1: Oh, you planned on that?
0: Yes. Oh. <laughs>
1: Uh I'd I like was actually thinking
0: at 1:20 I need to get out the door.
1: Ah okay. Well uh tomorrow morning we're getting up bright and early for our final day of the Ozark Mountain UFO Conference. So that's it for this episode.
0: Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton.
1: Our show is produced and co-edited by Ian Kramer.
0: You can find us on facebook.com forward slash onrack. That is the place to go because we are almost uh, every day, at least multiple times per week, we're posting cool supplemental photos and video and things that we're doing and you can interact with us. It's a good place to hang out. And also go to iTunes and leave us a positive review. That's a really great way you can support us.
1: And you can go to maximumfundorg forward slash donate to become a member and support this investigation and all our future investigations.
0: And that would be awesome.
1: Oh, hey, see? And, there you
0: go. <laughs> and remember...
1: There's several areas that the debunkers focus on. You can't... First, that there is no evidence. Second, that you can't get here from there. Third... Governments can't keep secrets with the internet, and YouTube, you can't keep any secrets. I will guarantee you that that's nonsense. I've helped keep secrets. I had a clearance for 14 years. Uh, it's easy to keep secrets. And I'll tell you, once you get a security clearance, you put the pure God into you. Keep your damn mouth shut. That's basically what it boils down to. Or, you will pay a penalty. And that's not
0: a $50 fine. Going into a bullseye interview, I know that it's somebody who does amazing work, but it's it's an actual conversation and you know, sometimes it gets real. No, but my mother, I remember, my, I remember when I got, <laughs> this is going to become a therapy session very quickly. Does
1: that make sense? I feel like I'm in therapy. That was a great interview. Bullseye. Creators
0: you know, creators you need to know. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts.
1: MaximumFun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
1: Listener supported.